We have all lived in towns which we claim to despise but never leave. Poplar Cove is one of those places. To outsiders, it is a serene, sleepy place. A quiet island community where you can settle down, raise the kids, focus on your art, or start an Etsy shop. It sounds nice, right? You're probably thinking, why wouldn't everyone want to live here? It is framed by lush forests, filled with quirky mom-and-pop shops, and is just minutes from Deception Pass, which is aptly named because, as I'm sure you know, not all things are as they seem. While Poplar Cove may be beautiful on the outside, it is much more sinister underneath. This town follows its own set of rules, one of which is that it has a population of 10,000 people, always. No one moves into town without someone dying or leaving first. Or is it that no one dies until someone new appears? Speaking of which, who is that? Hi there. Welcome to the Insanity Shop. What can I get for you? Our special today is a classic, London Fog. It's an Earl Grey infused with lavender. We add a bit of milk and vanilla to make it warm and comforting. Sure, I'll take a 16 ounce. It's flipping cold out there. I'll take anything that's warm right about now. I can do that for you. You want that to go or are you going to stay a bit? Joanna stared at Mac with her bright blue eyes. She is a sweet girl, though not necessarily right in the head after escaping the clutches of the Brotherhood of the Yellow Sign, one of the local social groups. Some cities have gangs like the Crips and the Bloods, the Italian mob or the hipsters. The Brotherhood of the Yellow Sign is like that, except with different gang symbols and more straitjackets. Needless to say, Joanna's capture and the subsequent brainwash left her with some permanent damage. She's a feisty ginger that has a few secrets, but who doesn't these days? Even I have my fair share. (laughs) I have yet to tell my husband about the time in college when I got so drunk that I, I woke up on my couch and was missing my left shoe, my belt, my dignity, and my... I don't plan on staying long. I'll just take it to go. Alrighty, let me get that started for you. That'll be 572. <clears throat> so I've never seen you around here before. What brings you to Poplar Cove? Oh, I was just passing through. Needed to stretch my legs a bit, so I hopped off the old transit bus. Driver said it swings by every five hours or so. It ought to be there soon. I'm kind of a nomad. I go where the wind takes me. Where the planes call my name. Where there's someone in need of assistance. Also work. I follow the work. We've got plenty of work here, you know. You don't have to take that next bus. You could stick around for a while. Yeah, the town could use someone like you. I mean, I like your face. It's nice to look at. Which is something that I can't say about everyone's mug around here. (laughs) Um, thanks. I mean, sure. I suppose I could stick around for a bit. I'm in no hurry. Oh, Mac, don't do that. You don't know what you've gotten yourself into. It must be nice to not be tied down to anything. Every time that I've tried to leave this town, something's pulled me back. That's too bad. This country is really pretty beautiful. You should explore it sometime. I've been from the Everglades to the Big Apple to the Olympic National Forest. Every part of this country has its own personality. It'll be nice to have someone with your spunk around town. (laughs) My name is Joanna. Joanna Summerby. What's yours? Mac Tillingest. Mac is a ruggedly handsome fellow with an unkempt goatee 
dark hair hidden underneath a black beanie and a pair of the brightest green eyes you've ever seen. He seems as handsome as my second husband was, but as adventurous as my first. If only I was a few years younger. What kind of credentials do you have, Mr. Mac? What kind of work do you like to do? Oh, I'm a jack of all trades. I've worn a lot of different hats. Hard hat, page boy, trucker, hairnet. Well, that should come in handy then. I know that Mr. Pickering is looking for an assistant. He's the local archaeologist, but he does moonlight as a private eye or something. Pickering's a pretty eccentric guy, and he's not really right in the head. You want to talk, sweetheart. But I can guarantee that the work won't be boring. Well, that does sound like my kind of job then. Thanks. Keep the change, Joanna. I guess I'll see you around town. Hey, Joanna, who was that? Huh? What? Oh, you. Just some new guy. Looks like he'll be sticking around for a while, too. But if he's moving into town, who's leaving? Did someone say that they're moving? Or, or, oh, I'm not sure that I want to find out. Or maybe someone's died already. Do you have a paper? Yeah, it's right here. Let me find the obituaries. I don't see any deaths. <laughs> Yay! Sounds like we're finally going to have some fun around here. Everything's been so boring lately. No, 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 no. No, this isn't good at all. Morning, Mayor. You usual, I assume? Yeah, um... One orange spiced tea with cream coming right up. <coughs> Did some stranger just walk out of here? I didn't recognize him. Who was he? The guy in the beanie? That's Pickering's new assistant. Well, I don't like the look of him. If he doesn't leave, I'll have to make him leave. One way or another. Mayor Humphrey Basil Prentice III's smile was dastardly, as was his white goatee and the twinkle in his eye. His bald head reflected the fluorescent lights in the tea shop. He was never able to grow hair on the top of his head, which was surprising because he was able to grow a naturally thick beard at an incredibly young age. You should see his second-grade yearbook picture. Quite astonishing. Of course, if you want an amazing yearbook picture, or any picture, a make sure to choose Cthulhu toothpaste, guaranteed to make you smile or your money back. May cause diarrhea, acne, delirium, heart attacks, blindness, excessive sweating, ulcers, death, facial tumors, and can make you easily susceptible to hypnosis. Cthulhu toothpaste. It brushes your teeth for you and gets all the hard to reach places. Always be afraid of the dark and always brush your teeth with <clears throat> Cthulhu toothpaste from the old ones. Mac made his way to Pickering's office on the other side of town. It was a small building that looked like it was made of Lincoln logs. When he opened the door, the scent of old books, cedar, and stale coffee lingered in the air. The walls of the cabin were lined with books, leather-bound monoliths that were filled with text, and heaps of paper. All those murdered trees littered over the floor like academic and literary stalagmites. Mac weaved around them, stood next to the woolly mammoth skeleton, which was missing a leg, and was being propped up by a precarious stack of bongo drums. Hello? Is anyone here? Hello? Yeah? Hello? Who's here? 
How can I help you? My name is Mac. Uh, are you Mr. Pickering? Dr. Matthew Pickering is a tall man with eyes as wild as his hair. Though not actually a medical doctor, believe me, no one would want him cutting them open. He insists on wearing a white lab coat, complete with a plastic pocket protector. His most cherished possession, his calculator watch. His favorite number is eight, and he loves a good puzzle. Joanna sent me. She said that you're looking for an assistant. Whoa, how wonderful! I didn't realize I was looking for an assistant, but now that I think about it, I should have been. How clever! So, what is it that you want to assist with, son? Well, I guess that depends on what you need. What exactly are you looking for in an assistant? First of all, I'd like an assistant that can answer simple questions. So let me try that again. <clears throat> what is it that you want to assist with? I guess I'm looking to assist with whatever it is that you do. What about illegal things? Illegal things? You don't look like the law-breaking type. Actually, he does. Very much so, in fact. Besides, I thought you were an archaeologist. I am. I'm also a private investigator and an amateur typewriter mechanic. Do you find yourself doing illegal things when you're fixing typewriters, investigating privately, or archaeologying? <laughs> Only if I'm doing it right! While they're busy bantering back and forth, it should be known that Mac wasn't one to back down from a workplace challenge. He is a brave, handsome man, isn't he? Okay, so what is it exactly that you want me to do? <sighs> All right, let me see. Right now, I'm in need of a man who knows how to handle a firearm and how to wield a sword. It would be helpful if he knew some basic fortune-telling and doesn't mind getting dirty. You would also need to stay by my side, and it would help if you knew how to drive a car because I don't like to drive. Um, I can drive a car. Good enough for me. You're hired then. Are you ready for your first assignment? Sure. What do you need? Go ahead and grab that longbow over there and grab my day pack. That's over there. Maybe that roll of duct tape too. And that notebook over there. Oh, and get me a cup of coffee. We're going to need it. Do you drink coffee? You're going to need to. We're in for a long night. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the exact same time, across the town square, Elizabeth Cushing Birch sat at the foot of her husband's hospital bed. She pushed her auburn hair behind her ears. Her diamond earrings glistened in the unflattering hospital lighting. She sighed and picked at her nails. Elizabeth was bored. Probably because, at the moment, being a dutiful wife didn't have anything to do with dinner galas and purchasing pretentious art that her guests just pretended to understand. When she first married Hobart Birch, he was the toast of the town. He was handsome, smart, witty, and a cutthroat businessman that liked to host fancy dinner parties. Elizabeth loved hosting dinner parties. These days, he didn't host many galas at all, probably because he was in a coma. Hobart lay still in his hospital gown, just as he had been for the past five years since he fell into a long and suspicious nap. I do wish you would snap out of this stupid coma, Hobart. This is incredibly boring. 
Well, I suppose I should talk to you or something. Um. Oh, I bought a lovely painting the other day. Mr. Tuttle sold me this wonderful piece of art which matches the drapery in the first story waiting room. It's that beautiful green color that I love so much. Anyway, he says that there are more in the series and that I should collect all five. <laughs> and he said something about setting them up in a room with five walls like a pentagon. When I told him that the room was in the shape of a pentagon, he seemed mildly amused and told me that he would look for the other four immediately. Ha! <laughs> Such a strange little man. You know, he probably doesn't do that for every woman that walks through his door. I think he fancies me. Oh, Miss Birch. Mrs. Cushing Birch. Oh, yes, my apologies. I didn't know that you were here. How are you faring? Hello, Dr. Spaulding. I suppose I'm all right. I've just been spending the morning with my poor Hobart. Oh, how I miss him so. That's so sweet of you to visit him. I mean, there's no way to know if he can hear you, but research has shown that coma patients can have that capability. Of course, that depends on the amount of brain activity and why he fell into a coma in the first place. When it comes to Hobart, well, he's been in this coma for five years, so the chances of him recovering are slim. Tell me again what happened exactly. It's been a while since I've heard the story of how you found him. Maybe I can look up some new research. Oh, uh, it was so long ago, I mean, I'm not sure if I really remember. Let's see. I walked into the Jade Room one day, and he was lying face up right there on the bearskin rug. Like a damned cockroach lying on its back, arms and legs up in the air and everything. And he had this dreadful look of horror on his face and a strange note in one of his hands. Something about dark forces and elders, maybe? Signs and sigils? Or was it seagulls? Oh, what was it? Most of it was gibberish, so I don't remember what it said exactly. Hmm. That is strange. He hasn't had any brain activity since he's been here. He's technically alive since these machines are pumping blood through his body, and because that contraption over there is breathing for him. He's a vegetable, you know. Practically dead. I've actually been meaning to talk about withdrawing care. Withdrawing what? You mean killing my husband? Why, that's just despicable. That's my husband you're talking about. Yes, and I apologize for upsetting you, but his quality of life is somewhat lacking. And if he dies, you get his fortune, correct? So you'd be taken care of. You wouldn't have to worry about anything. Well, yes, but I'm not one to commit murder. I'd rather just leave him be. I get to spend his money this way anyway. Oh, wait. That's what the note said. Something about leaving him alone or something. Oh, yes, that's right. What? Uh, nothing. Sorry. I'm just going to take his vitals. Why don't you get yourself a cup of coffee? Just forget I said anything. Coffee. That sounds like a good idea. Dr. Henry Spaulding was an awkward, lanky man with thin, gold-rimmed glasses that sat at the end of his nose and frizzy brown hair that covered the top of his oval face. He spent most of his college years with his nose in books. Of course, being a doctor, most people would assume that he spent his time reading textbooks, but most people would be wrong. Instead of Introduction to Human Biology, he was reading Introduction to Human Sacrifice. When he moved into town five years ago, causing poor old one-eyed Sam to fall off the roof of his outhouse, his depth perception wasn't very good. He spouted some medical jargon at them, and they hired him on the spot, but 
If we've learned anything from Joanna, Spalding had some interesting layers. Much like a rotting onion that's been sitting on your kitchen counter for too long. A little black and a little dead on the inside. I finally finished it. That blasted home. I thought she would have killed you already, but I guess I must awaken the ancient one in this archaic fashion instead. <clears throat> he who awakens me stirs an evil beneath, as if a great sword he did unsheath. My sleeping vessel must be left alone, unless you wish to witness a bath of blood and bone. To close the gate, one must supply a painted sigil upon the sky, and a sacrifice with wit, mystique, and of curvaceous and feminine physique. Wait. That can't be right. Uh, stupid incantations. Why are they so difficult? I wish I hadn't messed this up five years ago. Dr. Spaulding scribbled out the last couple lines, and that's when, for the first time in five years, Hobart Birch opened his eyes. After a fiasco involving the coffee pot, a handgun, and a small styrofoam mannequin head, Mac found himself outside trying to find the closest grocer so that he could buy some coffee grounds. I can't believe my first solo assignment is to get more coffee. I guess I have to pay my dues. I wonder what my actual first archaeological assignment will be. I've never been an assistant to an archaeologist before. Maybe I'll get to discover some sort of dinosaur. Oh no, wait, that's paleontologist. Maybe I'll get to study a tribe in New Guinea or something. Oh, is that anthropology? Hmm. Hello there. Hold on just a, I mean, just a second while I, while I catch my breath. Ooh, you move quickly. Um, I just wanted to welcome you to our, to our lovely town. Oh, thanks. Who are... Oh, excuse me. I'm not used to having to introduce myself these days, you see. We don't get a lot of strangers around here. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I must be getting a cold. Uh, my name is Mayor Humphrey Basil Prentice III. Oh, you're the mayor. Wow. Um, my name is Matt Tillingast. It's nice to meet you. You really have a lovely town here. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we pride ourselves in the fact that we're quaint, homey, and rustic. It's beautiful, and everyone has been so welcoming. They have? Who has? <clears throat> I mean, I'm glad. Uh, that's wonderful news. I just want to warn you, uh, some people aren't as welcoming here. Some people don't like strangers. They don't like uninvited people walking into their homes and making themselves comfortable. Don't be surprised if certain people make you feel as though you're overstepping boundaries. Well, like I said, everyone has been welcoming so far. I mean, with Mr. Pickering giving me this great job. The barista at the tea shop was really sweet, too. I wonder if she's seeing anyone. I think she sees a lot of people. Unfortunately for her, they're all in her head. Since I don't have a meeting for another hour or so, why don't I show you around a little? Well, I'm actually running an errand for Mr. Pickering. Oh, that over there is our post office. It was the first thing that our founder built, even before his own home. 
He wanted to make sure that he could get a Sears catalog in so that he could furnish his home as soon as he built it. Yeah, that's really great. I should be... That, that building over there is the Fish and Wildlife Office. That building? Is that smokestack coming out from the back? Yes, well, our town is a bit small, so we often have dual-purpose office buildings and the like. That is also where we hold our cremations. You see, we don't bury our dead here. The soil is much too polluted and there is a high risk of reanimation. Instead, we burn the remains and store all of the ashes over there, next to the zoo. Zoo? Isn't that just a fenced area behind the Fish and Wildlife Office? Like I said, the zoo. Anyway, over there is the public library. Wow, that building is enormous. Yeah, we like to keep our citizens well-read. We pride ourselves in the ability to keep up with the outside world, even without modern conveniences like Wi-Fi, smartphones, and instant messaging. Since the town is a dead zone and there's no way off the island... What do you mean, no way off the island? There's a bus stop right outside town limits. That bus only stops by every five years. What? No, the driver said he comes by every five hours. Well, you must have misheard him. Only I'm in control of who comes and goes here. The only way off the island is through the stacks. Or by my hand. Um, sir, why do you have your hands around my throat? Oh, I'm sorry. It looked as if there was a mosquito on your collar. I got it for you. Don't worry, though you should watch out for the mosquitoes around here. They're mighty lethal, and we think they've learned how to swim. I don't think you're talking about mosquitoes, then. Anyway, I should go. I'm actually running an errand for Mr. Pickering. If you could, can you point me in the direction of the nearest grocer? I need to pick up some coffee grounds. Oh, yes. Just head down that alley over there. The one with the danger sign? Yes, yes, I've been meaning to take that sign down. Don't worry about it. It's perfectly safe. Just head down that alley and then take a left as soon as you reach the other street. You'll see love in the time of groceries right in front of you. It's just a little shortcut that I like to take. Love in the... Ugh. The store names around here are just too much. Uh, thanks, Mayor Prentice. I'll catch up with you later, okay? Oh, dear. That alley doesn't look safe at all. Mac, I don't think you should... <laughs> Stupid cold. Wow, this alley is awful dark. And those are the biggest spiders I've ever seen. Hey, man. Got a light? Wait, did that spider just... Hey, you. Over there. Yeah. You. You got a light. No, I'm sorry. I don't smoke. Do you... Is that a tiny cigarette? You look lost, boy. What can... Why, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Stop staring at my cigarette. My eyes are over here. Sorry. It's just that... Why, it even has a tiny filter, and... Well, get lost, then. I... I apologize. I'm just trying to get some groceries. I'm still a little new here, so I haven't really memorized the street names yet. The mayor said just go down here and... Oh no, 
I wouldn't go down there. Why? I usually don't stop the strangers that walk through here, but word on the street is that you're Pickering's new assistant, and it seems like the townsfolk really like you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I think. Yeah, well, I'm a little partial to Pickering. Oh? He comes by every evening and drops off dinner for me and the boys. The boys? If I were you, I'd just turn around and head back the way you came. As soon as you step out of this alley here, you'll just keep going down the road and then turn left on Elm. I don't know. My aunt always told me to stay away from talking spiders. You can trust me. Then again, she was the biggest racist I know. And I've been through this. Okay. You said left on Elm, right? Right. Right on Elm. No, not right. Left. Left then? Right. Right on Elm. Oh, left. Left, then right? No, just left, no right. Left isn't right. Left is right. Left is... wait, what? What do you think? Would you trust the shady-looking mayor or the talking, smoking spider? I can't take this much suspense. What's up with Pickering? He seems like a variable whack job. If Hobart was brain-dead and suddenly woke up, does that mean that there are two new people in town? If so, which two people are going to die or leave? What's up with Joanna and the mayor? I'm not sure if I like him. Next time I'll have to bring a bucket of popcorn with me. And if I do munch on popcorn, I'll make sure to use Cthulhu toothpaste. Those kernels are so hard to get out from between my teeth. Who needs floss when you have tentacles? Always be afraid of the dark and always brush your teeth. Cthulhu toothpaste from the old ones. Good night from Poplar Cove, population 10,002. I think. Poplar Cove is written by Jocelyn DeVore and features Jacob DeVore as Mac, Raylan Lavoy as Elizabeth, Morgan Lavoy as Hobart, Guy Fulton as Spalding, Katie Fulton as the narrator, Bill Fulton as the mayor, Lee Gundy as Pickering, William Nelson as Roger, Riley Talent as Joanna, with additional voices by Devin Steele, Ed Zinkovich, and Senora Jackson Diaz, with Fyodor Dogstoyevsky as the production assistant. All of the music in today's episode was composed by Kevin McLeod and is available under the Creative Commons license at incompetech.com. More detailed credits found in the show notes.